as we now turn to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Truly, truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, uh, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not heed them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hireling and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will heed my voice. So there shall be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This charge I have received from my Father. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. I'm not a betting man, but uh, I would strongly guess that you've heard this before. Um, I've heard it so many times that I've lost count. And I heard it again uh, from a young man who thought he was saying something so original, <laughs> so fresh and new when I was witnessing to my faith in Christ and trying to lead him to the same. And he says, oh, Bruce, all religions are the same. They're just different ways of getting to the same place. Oh, I was so enlightened by that young man. <laughs> Not. And while his sentiments sound so nice and so polite and so respectful of diversity and on and on and on, um, what he said simply isn't true. All religions are not the same. And it's not because I dare to say so, but because Jesus declares it to be that way. Our Lord addressed this myth, and that's the nicest thing we can call it. 
Um, he addressed it clearly and concisely when he said of himself in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way, said Jesus. I am the truth. I am life. If Jesus is the truth, then he is the truth. Not just a good man or a wise teacher showing us one of many routes to get to our heavenly home. And if Jesus says no one comes to the Father but by him, then he is the only way. I hope you can join me in saying to yourself that you've had lots of good men and good women in your life experience who have blessed you with their knowledge, with their help, with their compassion. But all their goodness combined cannot save you and cannot save me from death. And likewise, I hope you can join me in thinking about the many wise teachers who blessed you through the years, but their collective wisdom cannot give me life, eternal life, nor can it save me from my sinful self. For you see, if Jesus is not truth, then he is not Lord and Savior. And he is not God in the flesh, for that's what he claims to be, and the scriptures declare it to be. If Jesus is not truth, then he simply is not the Savior who was crucified, died, and buried, and rose again on the third day. And friends, if Jesus is just one way among many countless ways, uh, then why are you here of all places so early on a Sunday morning? There are easier, more convenient ways <laughs> to know God. Uh, you could know God with uh, French toast and strong coffee, comfortable in your bed, uh, listening to classical music, but you're here. And if Jesus is just a good person, well, then we could choose from many good people to follow and seek advice, right? A similar myth uh, meets a similar end in today's Bible reading. And that myth is much like the first, only instead of addressing, you know, all religions, this is a myth that I hear spoken most often by Christians, um, referring to the church. And I've heard it countless times in my two decades as your senior pastor here at Faith. Pastor, I don't really care. I don't care where my children or my grandchildren go to church as long as they go to church because all churches and all pastors are really the same. And I know one very sincere woman who went on to add, you know, Pastor Bruce, churches are just like ice cream. They come in lots of different flavors pastors are just there to make sure that everyone gets the flavor they like best. And at that moment, I knew that she saw me as her pastor in a Baskin-Robbins uniform, and I felt like I should be asking her, do you want your sermon in a sugar or a waffle cone? Let me say, without apology, that all churches are not alike, and all pastors are not alike. And because Jesus said so, I can say so. Some pastors are imposters. They're not pastors at all. True pastors are under shepherds of the good shepherd. Their words, their counsel, their advice, 
should always follow the mind of Christ and reflect the love of God. In fact, Jesus, you heard him, reminds us that some who would be shepherds are really just bandits and thieves. They steal people's dignity. They rob them of true Christian hope. I've been a pastor for well over half my life, brothers and sisters, 34 years to be exact. Please don't tell me that all churches and all pastors are alike. And never allow anyone to tell you the same without reminding them that there are differences. Earlier this year, one of our members brought a girlfriend to come and talk with me. Uh, she goes to a different church, but she wanted um, a second opinion. <laughs> because she'd gone to her pastor after years and years of secret shame. Her husband physically abused her, beat her up. And when she went to her pastor, he told her that what she needed to do was pray more about what she was doing to upset her husband in such a way that he needed to discipline her. As a father of four daughters, I find that repugnant at best and evil at worst. After 34 years of ministry, I know far too many pastors who think the congregations they serve actually belong to them instead of Jesus. And that's why when I hear you say that you go to Bruce's church, I tell you it never was my church. It never will be. It belongs to Jesus. There are so many pastors whose egos are so wrapped up in themselves and their own popularity that they have lost all sight of the centrality of Christ and Christ crucified. I could go on and on and on, I won't, but let me tell you, I know a pastor who only visits members of his church in the hospital based on the amount of money they give each week. When he hears someone's hospitalized, he asks his secretary to look up their giving records, and if they don't give enough in his opinion, well, he doesn't need to take the time and the trouble to go drive and visit them in hospital. Please don't tell me all pastors are the same. They're not. I know pastors who avoid difficult topics and preaching in such a way that they try to make everyone happy, never saying anything from the pulpit that might make someone uncomfortable or offend someone, because you know what that means, they might put less money in the plate, and yet all pastors do have one thing in common, we're mortal, <laughs> we cannot create life. We have no power on our own to defeat sin and death. Pastors are men and women just as much in need of a Savior as any other person. I need Jesus. Pastors are people, and they will and they can disappoint you from time to time. I won't ask for a show of hands. Just as church members can disappoint their pastors from time to time. I'll keep my hands in my pocket. <laughs> this is reality. Even so, all pastors, all spiritual shepherds, are called to be servants of the great shepherd, the one and only good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And friends, you have in God's word today um, 
a teaching. Two ways in which this true shepherd, this good shepherd, this Jesus stands alone, stands holy, and stands for all time and for every generation as the way, the truth, and the life. He calls you by name. He lays down his life for you. You think about that. He calls you by name, which means you are no stranger to Christ. He's well acquainted with you. In fact, the word of God tells us that the Lord knew you before anyone else did as you were being formed and fashioned in your mother's wombs. He knows you. He calls you by name. And in that powerful text that Chrissy read for us from Isaiah, if you just flip to Isaiah 43, we learn that Jesus is precisely this one who knows us. We learn about God from this prophetic word. I created you. I formed you. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through water, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they won't overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you won't be burned and the flame will not consume you. I am the Lord, your God. I have a a lot of vivid memories um, that are still with me to this day. And at the tender young age of 60, I'm beginning to understand why it is that when I visit elderly people, they always talk about stuff from like 40, 50 years ago. And I don't know if this is true for any of you, but I remember things from my youth better than I remember things from two weeks ago. Does that mean I'm getting old? But one of my most vivid memories is my church youth group in Fairfax, Virginia, uh, going in... Um, to have a day in the District of Columbia that was just up and around the Beltway. And it was the first time I visited the uh, Tomb of the Unknown at Arlington National Cemetery. And did you know there's lots of other graves there that are marked unknown. And I remember our young pastor saying, you know, whoever it is, unknown to us, uh, his whole story, his birth, his living, his dying, his fully known to God. And so much has changed since the 70s that everything I read and everything I study tells me that young people these days and some not-so-young people uh, feel more alone and isolated than ever before with all the social media and all the liking on Facebook and all the text messaging and all the messenger communication that people with all this communication and digital technology are feeling more and more isolated so much so that people say they they feel alone they feel invisible and loneliness at any age may cause you to think that you don't count for much that no one cares and some of you I know are experiencing life right now in such a way that you feel somehow forgotten and even forsaken. But hear the word of the Lord. You're known to God. You are known to God. You're precious in the sight of the Lord. He knows you by name. He knows when you laugh and he knows when you cry. He knows your greatest joys and your deepest sorrows. All religions are not the same. And this good shepherd not only knows you by name, but he lays down his life for you. With all this um, 
back to school activity. I remember um, when my uh, daughter, Emily, was getting ready to go back to school for her uh, senior year at El Dorado. Um, I'd been here at Faith for only three years. Uh, that was almost 17 years ago, and it seems like yesterday. But not long, not long after her senior year began, some of you remember um, the day that the Twin Towers were destroyed and came crashing down. And in the hours and the days that followed the terrorist attack on our nation, there were many important and indeed profound conversations at the macro level and the micro level as people talked in the public forum and quietly over coffee about the courageous, heroic people in New York City, at the Pentagon, and especially on board that Flight 93 that didn't reach its planned destination but flew into the ground in Stony Creek, Pennsylvania. In the face of such evil, there were good people willing to put themselves in harm's way for the sake of others, willing, in fact, to die, to die, so that others might live. All those memories of 9-11 came just rushing back over me as I watched my daughter Emily getting my two grandsons ready for going back to school this year. And as you think with me on those brave men and women who died, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify your imagination and now think, think on Jesus, who willingly died not just for all the innocent people at the World Trade Center who'd gone to work that day at the Pentagon or who were on board Flight 93, but this good shepherd who willingly died for all men and all women, all sons and daughters, all dads and moms who died for you and died for me. And do you think we deserved such heroism from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? The scriptures tell us that he died for our guilt. He died to take our sins upon himself. And he did so willingly. So Jesus is not uh, some victim uh, of a traitor, Judas. Uh, he's not the victim of some friend's betrayal, or he's not just another part of some good cause that went bad. The scriptures tell us that Jesus did not go to Jerusalem unaware of what awaited him there. The good shepherd has the power to lay down his life willingly and to take it up again. So remember, this shepherd knows you knows you by name, knows everything about you and everything about me, and yet he loves us. And what he knows about us is that we need mercy, we need forgiveness, we need grace, and we need saving. <laughs> we need a savior because we cannot save ourselves. Uh, friends, all religions are not the same, and all churches are not the same either. 
That'd be like saying all car dealerships are the same, all physicians are the same, all schools are the same, all football teams are the same, all restaurants are the same. We'd never say anything about such things. Why do we sometimes say such things about religion? But here's the truth. Christianity really isn't just another religion. When you think about God's word today spoken to you, you understand that it's really about a relationship. A relationship that God wants to have with you. Only those in relationship know one another by name. God knows your name. And his son laid down his life for you. This God, this true, living, awesome God, he loves you, and he wants you to know him and love him. May the peace that far surpasses human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord this day and until we see the Savior face to face.